Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. That tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. All right, guys, this is a Daytona 500 sized edition of Stagging Pennies. I'm Corey the Joy, joined by a couple buddies. Daytona 500 front tire winning, Daytona 500 championship winning tire changer. <laughs> Ryan Flores. Sounds nice. No matter how, no matter how you say it, it sounds good. No matter which way you botch it, you're still champion. Yeah, Did hey, you get a ring? Not yet, but it's coming. Well, I got news for you. It's gigantic. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, I, I just saw, saw it. it. I saw. I want I'm, one of them leather jackets. My left eye's blinded. I got cataracts. <laughs> yeah. Also, not to be remiss, I'm joined by my good friend Chuck Bush. How's it going? And Ice Cold Blue Mountain takes Jonathan Merriman. How you doing? Man, all that lot junk, to take in. All that junkie's been talking about that front changer. It's all motivation. So I would like to at least have, I don't know, one tiny diamond out of your ring for motivating <laughs> just you. Just pop one out. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, I think we should all get one of those because, like, I went up to him race day morning and said, hey, have fun out there today. And he had fun. Had fun. It looked like he had fun. We got, I got to hang out with you guys quite a bit this yeah. week. Yeah, you did, uh, you did some some next-gen 101 stuff for us and oh, yeah, let the fans hear what that new – how many Uggadugs is that gun produced? It's like six Uggadugs. I mean, a lot more Uggadugs than the previous gun. Also, it gets my timing off as a driver a little bit on the know. left side jack drop because you hear just <laughs> – <laughs> the weirdest thing for me <laughs> the weirdest thing for me was after the race we're shooting backseat drivers on on pit road and there's no, no lug nuts like we have the bowl of them on the desk in front of y'all expired cheerios on the desk they were they were nowhere to be seen so i don't know in that little youtube short you did that sound of the thing dropping did you hear of any? Did you hear? We'll get to that in pit road boats and woes. Did you hear of anybody drop like the lug nuts coming out of the guns? Oh, I watched it. A lot of people. Really? I thought I had one drop because like I wear mine on my hip. So when I pulled the left front one time, I hit my gun on it, and I heard that noise. I was like ah, and I looked at the gun, and it was still in there. I was like God. But yeah, you, it was a lot. I saw I saw one drop from the front guy. And the guy from the rear grabbed it and put it on because he thought it was his and still had his in his socket. So like <laughs> it, it's a learning process. I mean. It sounds funny, but in the heat of the moment, it's a learning process. You have no clue. Well, I've got a solution for you, Corey. You know, Kel Yarbrough used to drive down to the corner and make engine noises. You need to ask your tire changers if they'll just go nee, 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 <laughs> while they're changing <laughs> the thing, idea. and then that'll help you get your cues. Yeah, that's right. a good idea. I'll look at the mic and go. Me, 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 me. <laughs> go, go, go. Okay. <laughs> get sparks up there doing it. All right. There's so much to break down here over the course of speed weeks. So let's just go in chronological order. Let's go to the start of the duels. First duel. Fairly uneventful, won by Bradley Keselowski. Next duel was fairly uneventful until the last lap. What was your take, Merriman, on the 17 who I drove a Ford, a Blue Oval, several years ago, and I know how hard they are on harping that a Ford must win the race. You got to push a Ford. You got to work with Fords. So it was a little bit surprising to me to see those two Fords getting after it, and Joey stiff stuffing I've, his car. In the I think it's, I think it's all on Joey, right? Like, you, we know the the what the teams and what the drivers are talking about inventory, and then you're you're gonna throw that block. Busher, hang on, is, time out, stop right there. That was no different, or even as aggressive as a block as we're used to him seeing. Let me tell you why he tanks up that thing in the fence. Last lap of the 2020 Daytona 500, in my opinion, same situation. Same outcome. Nope. Wrong. 
Joey saves that with the old car 99 out of 100 times. With these next-gen cars, with the independent rear suspension, you couldn't pit it with a rear bar hooked up, a rear sway bar. So when the 17 got barely got into him and freed him up just enough, when Joey went to correct, it, all the weight sat in the left rear tire. But stuffed it in the thing. But did the 17 get into him, or did he get in the 17? He, he came chased him down there, but I didn't think it was like an egregious block. I think it was a bad place to throw it. I don't think Joey was expecting it to come that fast and even said that in his interview. But the suspension and the way these next-gen cars are set up is another thing you have to learn of like, because Joey, like I said, with the previous car, he's driving out of it and he's just stuck in the outside lane with no help. Instead of just swapping ends with him and tank slapping that thing head on the fence. So I saw him at breakfast. I don't know that it was the day before or the day after. What was he and, eating? Uh, we were at first watch. And he was like legitimately upset. Like he stayed long, helped them guys sw- swap, like change over the seats. Uh, so yeah, he he definitely felt bad about that. But what happened to him on Sunday? I didn't really get He got spun there. He Instead of wrecking there, I don't know if it was the 47 wreck. I don't know what wreck it was. but It was earlier than he that. He went was, through the grass. Yeah, it was the one before that. It was right off of, it was in the short shoot, coming to the front stretch. And he instead of wrecking, he just dumped it and spun out, got four flats, got stuck in the grass. Oh, yeah, Went was, three down because he couldn't get out. Dang. In, yeah. In this stage two or beginning of stage three? In the Harvick wreck. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we were driving back from, we'd been shooting in, turn four and left right before that happened to get back in and like the reason it was taking so long and they came on the radio and said uh, oh he's stuck in the grass stuck in well uh, they don't have interliners in the new ones no. in the new tires no, right. i watched so, it the whole thing no, and those things would be on the rub blocks yeah well especially like, in the grass not a good you know joey so like they push him out of the grass and what's he do dumps the clutch and tries to drive away and it goes up the banking and back down uh, and then it comes back down right where the ambulance no right where the ambulance is so then there's nobody in the ambulance, so they got to move the ambulance so it's in the way, right? So he backs up. So then they start pushing him again, and he starts trying to throttle it up, and it's like spinning out. Then he just cuts through the infield and comes back. And got stuck again. Like, comes through, like, through the Daytona sign. Like, yeah. he was pitted almost in 40, so they were pushing him. He was going the wrong back way down pit road. But, like, he couldn't help himself but just throw, floor it, and it kept turning it sideways, so the tow truck kept having to back up and push him again. Well, and I also saw that the the wheel, it looked like the wheel was slipping inside of the tire, like it blew the bead off the, yeah. the wheel. So, oh, yeah. you know. That should, there's so many new nuances to these cars. Like, we saw a wheel fall off. Not good. I'm sure they're going to figure out things that, to figure that out. But you saw, like, carcasses come off the wheels. You saw different carbon fiber and different smells. Like everything was different. Like what you see, what kind of damage you see, what breaks when you hit something is all new, no different, better or worse. It's just a different version of what we're racing. Now, I don't think that we need to make these things bulletproof for these guys to be able to withstand a wreck and be able to keep on racing all day long. Like there needs to be a little bit of, you know, hey, if you get in a wreck, like you can't flip that thing over like Dale Earnhardt, Talladega and drive the rest of the day. Like we saw Harrison Burton flip over, and he was done. We saw the right the 11 car take a shot to the right front in that same wreck. He was done for the day because the suspension was broke. First DNF for Denny in the 500, which is an amazing Crazy stat. Crazy ever? Way. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he's been, I mean, it's what? Oh, over 16, 20? 17 16, years? 17, yeah. Yeah, so. No, it's got, it's over 20. No, I don't be, think so. Really? He came in like 06 was his rookie year, I think. Yeah. So that sounds like about right. 16? But first DNF in the 500 is pretty dang impressive. Yep. Uh, he's won three of them, so it sounds like he knows what he's doing when it comes to Daytona. 
Don't want to breeze over. We're going in chronological order. Z Zane Smith, round of applause. Truck Series one. Good job, Next day, who won the Arca Austin. Series race? Uh, Arca. Arca Menards. Austin Hill. No. Um, oh. Corey Heim. Sorry. Corey Heim. Arca Series one. Which was how many for Venturini? Venturini. Yeah. Is there any other, is there anybody else racing in the Arca Series? Andy J. Andrew Jankowiak. Um, and then Saturday night, the beef is what's for dinner 300. Winner, Austin Hill. Austin Hill. Back-to-back yep. -back Austin winners in that race. All right. It's the Great American Race, boys, Sunday morning. Can we just acknowledge the energy can, for a second? Can I just acknowledge one thing that I, I, I did at least get one of my picks right with Zane, Zane Smith? Just saying. Didn't get anything else right. Congratulations. Shut up, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, the energy Sunday morning was insane. It was palpable, Chuck. Mm -hmm. You could I feel mean, it. It was the 2020 Daytona 500 was the most energy I've, I've seen in my, you know, that was my sixth 500. Uh, last Sunday, and this one blew it away. I, I didn't mean, stay through the race, but the campground was full. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, and walking around down there, it felt like life was normal, and it was a great feeling. Yeah, I mean, it was like I mean, you're in Florida. What do you expect? I mean, well, I mean, you got campfires, you got a ton of campers down there, you had a ton of fans down there. It was just like, all right, this there's is a lot like, of people. This is a lot of people. Did, I remember this. Did you make it? Did you go anywhere on race day morning outside of the infield? Yeah, I went to the coffee shop across the street in one Daytona, and I've befriended the barista there. I don't is that what is the male version of a barista? A barista, barista I think. A barista. A barista bro. Yeah. Barista bro. The guy who makes my barista. coffee at Copper Line Coffee. And the last couple of years I've been down there, he's always wearing the same Ricky Rudd shirt. Mm -hmm. Apparently, he follows me on Instagram. He goes, "Hey man, I love the new Bill Bar shirts. They look uh, old school print, big print." I'm like. Would you wear one if I brought one back? Heck yeah. So Leanne grabbed a shirt from the bus, ran it over. My man at the coffee shop wearing a Core of the Joy shirt all day long. That was the only place I went. Came back to the track. Got to work, Chuck. Barista bro. Barista bro. Yeah, that's right. that sounds right. A brorista. Brorista. <laughs> we went out and shot a couple of scenics outside of the track. Uh, fans going in like when the gates opened. And just the sheer, what I noticed you know the Welcome to Daytona Beach Bridge, right? Mm -hmm. Steady stream of people just going, going. Sat there and He sat there and watched it for like 20 minutes. Yeah, we did. We did, did you do a time lapse? We did. Well, I mean, it, it was longer than that because we were doing a couple of time lapses. We did one at the uh, Sunoco injector and then one at the actual bridge. And the whole time, I mean, we were out there probably 30, 45 minutes just... Constant. The infield was full during that Luke Combs concert, I'll tell you that. Dude, he, I, I got to meet him. That yeah. was pretty cool. Got to BS with him for five, ten minutes. Uh, super cool guy. When you got done with the driver intros and you do your lap. Hang on. I got a story. Because my question is, like, what did you see coming? Like, you guys get dropped off at, you know, pit entry. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up, Chuck. And you can see just this swath of people. More of a swarm. Swarm, swath. Swath, yeah. Swath is sea. A, a path of toilet sea, sea yeah. of race fans. Sea of humanity. It was a glorious sight. Yeah. So I get the down, starting the outside of row 12, starting 24 Coral Joy, you walk down. That's a pretty cool one. Like, hey, it's a pretty cool job. Everybody's around. Get in the back of this truck, right? <laughs> Waving to all the fans. And I'm not, like, I'm actually, like, looking, like, for people wearing Coral Joy hats, shirts, or, like, little kids. And, like, they're waving at you. And then a lot of people are just, like, you know, prom queen like waving and i'm like looking like 
somebody's like shooting me a finger gun, I'm gonna shoot a finger gun back. So we go around and do the lap, and my man driving the truck was getting after it. We were probably going 70, 75, so my house was huh? off. He's getting it. 75? That's we're going to Daytona International Speedway, man. It feels like you're pretty fast when you're in the back of the truck. <laughs> Hang on. So I take my hat off. My stuff's whipping in the wind like I'm David Hasselhoff. You know, I'm feeling myself. My stuff blowing. <sighs> like, like the American flag whipping off the back of that tailgate on that truck. So we pull around the three and four apron, and we're in the last little strip of grandstands before we jump on the pit road and I jump off this thing. And I'm still looking, I'm waving, you know, I'm scoping out the fans. And I lock eyes with a guy wearing, like, it looked like he cut up an American flag and, like, made a T-shirt out of it. He's on the front row. He looks at me dead in my soul, and he goes, get a haircut, you hippie. <laughs> <laughs> and I started busting out laughing. And just, like, and about, lap, I don't know, 175, when I was sitting there driving around by myself, that guy just his voice, get a haircut, you hippie <laughs> and i started laughing so to that man i'm sure he, he's the last thing he wants to do is listen to this podcast but i nominate you the penny stacker of the week <laughs> thank you for giving me a chuckle uh, in the car that, i was gonna say that moment just being on the grid for that race after everything that's happened in the past couple of years what happened? what's happened no, nothing nothing's happened we, ha- no, we haven't been through anything we're not doing anything but standing there on the grid I, I kind of make it a point when I'm at the 500 to get away from the people so you can see the people. Do you drive to Orlando? Or like no, a- no, 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 no. I'm saying on pit road. Oh. I'll go out and stand by the wall, by, right Chuck by the... Chuck swims to the middle yeah. of Lake Lloyd. <laughs> Sitting there treading water. Out there in Lake Lloyd. And He's just by floating out there in the middle of Lake Lloyd. Just, you know, <laughs> listening to the Blue Angels. I'm looking or- for the cars that went into Lake Lloyd. Yeah. Anyway, um, but right there by the pit entry light. On that that wall over there, the safer mm-hmm. barrier. Yeah. You can just sit and just watch and just take in this spectacle that is the great American race. And it without fail, every time I may have had a shit week doing all kinds of stuff. Like it's been a hectic week. It always is for speed weeks. But you sit there and you take that all in and you're just like, you know what? It definitely fills the cup. We get to do this. Yeah. We get to watch this spectacle. And it was amazing. I had a great week. It was amazing. All right, let's get down into it, shall we? Because all the pre-race stuff's great. The Trace Atkins anthem, 10 out of 10. God, that thing was just bellowing through the speed. I noticed. I mean, my man needs to use some conditioner. He had a lot of split ends on that old gray gray hair. You should talking to me. You talking no, to Trace Atkins? Trace Atkins. You should have talked to him. I should have. Take it from him a guy who used to have long hair, hot oil treatment or something, dude. Come something. On. Maybe a blowout. Pantene. <laughs> <laughs> Name's the mane and tail. Hey, Trace, you want to hit the dry bar? <laughs> Let's go. No. Strap in for the Daytona 500. Here we go. So we'll dive into the seven Bill Bar Camaros day. Uh, we went in because we aren't necessarily in the Chevy Cool Kids Club. Uh, so we don't get necessarily the invites on when they're coming down for pit road or this or that or help. And we're on our own a little bit. So we teamed up with another team that seems like they're on their own in calling. So we did the pre-race meeting in the bus and say, hey, guys, all four of us are going to be married to each other. Hemrick, Justin Haley, Landon Castle, and myself, come hell or high water, we're going to go married to each other, pit together, push each other. And at the end of this thing, every man for themselves. But until that moment, we're going to get it, all four of us there. All fine and dandy. Oh, wait, the 16 failed tech three times. He's got to do a pass-through before the race even starts. So now the plan's almost out the window. So we run a little bit. First stage ends, everybody's in good shape. 
some stuff shakes out in the second stage when we come down for a pit road sequence, uh, green flag, and we lose the draft. And there was four or five of us. The three was in that line as well. And our line of four or five cars was running like 4850s, where the big pack was like four, 46 50s. So two seconds? Two seconds wow. different. That, had a, that big pack had a lot of energy, a lot of faster cars. So we went down a lap, and then it was a dogfight to get back on the lead lap, which we did with 10 to go, in which case you're buried. We'll talk to Austin a little bit, but he said that, you know, you don't have a chance to make a winning move unless you're in the top two rows. Um, and when we restarted 14th or 15th, we just honestly were, we were complacent to take a strong day, good point start, a good point start to our year and take the paycheck for 14th as opposed to try to jam it up in there and wreck our stuff because my guys had worked till midnight every day of the week up until we left for Daytona. They were spent. Everybody's fairly spent right now, but my guys have been working super hard. So to be able to bring one back in one piece so we can turn around and go to Vegas here in a couple weeks uh, got us off to a good foot. But I don't love racing that way, but the way we are right now, lean on parts, really lean on people, uh, that was almost a necessity for us to not necessarily race for a win, but race for uh, bringing a straight car home and racing for the paycheck, which hopefully will set us up for when we go back there in September to pull the belts tight and try to punch our ticket the last regular season race of the year. So that was kind of our day. Fairly uneventful. Finished 14th. Decent day. Everybody's happy. Let's go on to Fontana. But not everybody else. There were some guys racing for the trophy, Chuck. Well, the question I wanted to ask you is I noticed I was kind of timing. I was in the turns with our camera guy, CJ, and that those two packs. And the fact that you're like, you were two seconds off. Like I was timing to where you guys were, but I didn't realize that y'all had gone a lap down. Yeah. Just because not hearing everything and not knowing everything, but knowing the difference in that, it was just interesting to watch from that sort of outside perspective. Yeah, when I was, I think I was leading that line for a little bit, and then we pitted, then I came out second or third, and you watch the big, like, they're straight away in front of you, and then you can see all of them, and they go into the corner, and you see, like, half of them, and then three, four laps later, and the last one's gone, like, oh, boy, they're going to be seeing us before we see them again. So that's um, that's a little bit different of that next-gen car to where you have to have some fast cars in a line that have to be really packed tight, um, and they don't make as big of a bubble, which... I think we'll pay dividends at an intermediate track with the diffuser, with the way the quarter panels turn in like that. They don't make a wide wake. They make a tighter wake, which hopefully will gives us less dirty air, some intermediates that we've been trying to struggle with. So it made the draft harder to formulate runs. We'll talk to the champ here shortly, but um, it's going to be, it, it was harder to make runs and it was harder to keep pace with the pack, I but thought. That's one thing Brad said in this uh, post race after the duel someone asked him usually when you get single file in the previous generation car you'd run the top because the right sides were so aero sensitive to someone getting to your outside and then this car it seemed like in the duels at least everyone was on the bottom single file because it didn't matter some of that some of that is because with the old car you would like you'd lose handling quite a bit and when in the duels, you're racing at night, so the track's got a lot more grip. So you could, like a top can't formulate a run fast enough as the bottom's towing it because you're not lifting. But when you'd start, you couldn't run like in the middle of the day when they fire off a green flag at 3.30, 4 o'clock. 
like if when it gets singled out, you couldn't drag the lane going that fast going to the bottom because you'd have to start lifting. Well, that's when the top starts formulating. And over KB's radio, he said something about it. he felt like his car was bogging down in the middle of the corner on the bottom. Yeah. So is that because he's pushing a 12-inch wide tire versus a 10, 10 and a half? No, the roll and resistance, that, that didn't equate to any speed. I think what a lot of it is is that one of the differences between, and Ryan, he worked in the aero department at Sewer Haas. He could probably explain it a little bit more. You're getting instead of, so the, the air inlet for the engine was in front of the windshield last year or the, how it's been forever. So you could move your car around to change cow pressure, and you would know if you're in a bad aero spot because you would le- like legitimately hear the sound of your engine change because it wasn't getting the same cow pressure. Now the engine's getting its air intake from the front radiator inlet. So the tighter you get to a car, there's a certain range that it'll pack. Like when you see guys really pushing, it's doing two things. It's adding cow pressure because the air from the diffuser is going right into the engine off the front car. So that allows you to keep tight. But as soon as you get the bubble pushes you off, you lose cow pressure. So, um, and you guys work how many hours, hundreds of hours in a wind tunnel to get as much cow pressure as possible. Yeah. I mean, they used to have guys that all they did was build cows, right? But that's what, that's one thing I remember Tony Stewart telling me is like when they would put it on your quarter with the old car, really what they were doing when they put it on your quarter is they would take the air off of that. They'd It'd make a low pressure area where a cow was, so your motor wasn't. And for people who don't know what a cowl is, that's the area basically your windshield wipers on a street car. Yes. Yeah. Come out of the cowl. It's right yeah. below the windshield. Yeah. yeah. In between where the where the base of the windshield and the hood meet. Yep. But that's gone now. Yeah. Cowl. Cowl. C O W L, I believe. It sounds a couple of times. It sounds like you're. These guys were building cows back at the shop. No, like not a moo cow. Yeah. Not, not a moo cow. Cowl. Yeah, like cow an owl with a C. Like, yeah. Like a cat owl. Yeah. Yeah. So those are those are. <laughs> I don't know what the hell y'all talking about. So we saw our first next-gen car get upside down. Harrison Burden, hop out. Everybody's safe. Everybody's happy. Glad Harrison's okay. After leading some Body count number one for Bradley Klislowski. There's more to come. With Harrison Burton, just real quick. Yeah. That has been – he got the 21 car out front. Like, we've seen with the winner of the race some strong rookies. Would you say we have a strong rookie class, or would you say it's kind of? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's. Well, I mean, let's also put in context those two rookies are driving for the, a damn good race team, right? Right. So, Wood Brothers is built in the same shop as Team Penske, and I think we've been talking about about every episode to start the year. I thought Team Penske was going to hit the ground running with all their experience with the V8 supercars that they've had, and that this car is exactly like it. And hey, guys, I don't know if you noticed, they've won the first two races of the year, so I expect them to be strong. But yes, some people were like, well, why was Brad pushing the rookie? Shouldn't he know better? If you're getting pushed, you are at the mercy of how hard and where the guy's pushing you. So that's nothing on Harrison. Uh, and you also don't, I haven't seen a replay. I don't know how hard Brad was getting pushed. So Brad was taking a lot of heat, but he might, I mean, granted, he was aggressive. He was aggressive in the duels. You knew he was going down there trying to get that first win for RFK, the first race out. He's always aggressive, though. Yeah. He was aggressive at Penske. I mean, he is a, an aggressive driver on the super speedways you gotta risk it to get the biscuit yeah harrison had red gloves on and there was hey would he leave three laps there it's probably five lap stretch where he was in front of brad there on the top lane he was and he had him crossed up like a couple times he had him crossed up enough where he made a couple good saves before he he ate it yeah oh he was yeah it was it was bad there was one time off four where he was about shucked and then i heard that uh 
governor called Brad, and he's going to ask him to put a plow on the front of that thing next time it snows. He's so good at pushing stuff. Yeah. So we'd have three plows in North Carolina. Then. Yeah. <laughs> none, of which, yeah. none of which are near my house. <laughs> well, there you go. Harrison Burton's out. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was looking good. Started outside pole from what I believe that restart was like six to go, seven to go. Ricky was what you called uh, pissed off after that race. I believe that is what you call pissed yeah. off. And he was slowing some shade. Uh Interesting interview. Should have um, known, I think, is the quote I took away from that. Yeah, should have known. I mean, hey, Bradley Bradley got him, but also Bradley got caught up in that one as well. So, you know, he lived by the sword, he died by the got, sword. He got through that. Did barely. he? Barely. He barely got yeah. Oh, right, because he, he was there at the end. He was there at the end. He was there at the end. He caused another one. But, like, dude, I like Ricky. Ricky's cool. As, like, we, we've talked, like, one of the normal cool Really cool. Dude, that guy's got a body count at Speedways, too, though. So, like, for him to be throwing shade, I'm like, Ricky, like you, we, I remember sitting on the plane hearing about how many more cars you wrecked after you wrecked us one year when we were flying out. I feel like there was a trend on, so, or a, a hashtag at one point on social Getting media that was Recky, yeah. Recky Stenhouse. So, like it, I'm not talking about just anything else. Hey, does he still have that Fun Fetty sponsorship? No, that's, but that was, he was also winning at those, yeah. like he yeah. was, he got those wins on those super speedways because he was aggressive. And the trouble with it's like uh, like Brett Favre, right? Lots of interceptions, but also lots of touchdowns. So well, Ricky has two touchdowns. You're a gunslinger. You're sometimes going to get you know winged. Was that a joke that I didn't pick yeah. up on? I mean, he only has two wins. Oh, two super speedway wins. Yeah, which he was very aggressive in. Yeah. With the Ricky wreck there at the end, you know, Bubba got involved in that, and I wanted to ask you this earlier with when you're talking about the damage to the cars, not knocking a car out of the race or knocking a car out. He gets hit on the rear right quarter. Front, right front fender. Was it right front? And he's still there at the end and gets a second place finish. Out. He was really close to getting right rear hooked. Uh, he, Bubba, got, Bubba got lucky there. He definitely had a guardian angel. Now, if he didn't have that right, right front, if we didn't have the new car, that right front fender would have been hit, rubbing the tire, he would have had the pit. Yeah. So, yeah, just it just literally, I went and looked at the car in tech. It hit the fender, and it where the seams, it just blew right off. Well, yeah. How lucky is Austin? I mean, he almost lost that race there on the last lap when he made the move to block Ryan, made contact, Ryan gets into the wall. I mean, Bubble was, what, six feet, seven feet from winning hey, that race? Like, it was hang on. close. Anybody that wins a speedway race has to get lucky. Well, anyway. I'm, I'm just saying, like, with how everything played out, that could have yeah. that could have been big. I mean, you, like forward. you don't win a speedway race if you don't get lucky. Like mm -hmm. there is as much of an element as luck as there is strategy. And I mean, you have to put yourself in position, and then that's when it was when preparation meets opportunity. That's what luck happens. Yep. Um, and our friend Austin Sender, who's about to jump on here with us, uh, had enough of both to get the dub. How much Loctite do you use? Zero Loctite. Oh, I don't believe that. Not any Loctite at all. When, with that last lap and coming to the checkered flag there, how much should Austin be thanking Ryan for what he did by not sending it, I guess? Like, you see you see the, the start-finish line. He could have easily gone in there and wrecked him, and it wouldn't have worked out for him. He probably wouldn't have won the, so won the race. So Ryan and I rode on his golf cart. He was nice enough to pick me up and give me a ride over there to see Luke Combs. That was the point of our conversation because he just got out of the Ford meeting, push this, do this, don't do this, right? Push a blue oval. 
But he's like, internally with Penske, like, what do you do? And like, do you make the move out of two and you both don't make it? Like, you don't want to have what happened to Joey and Brad last year into three. You try to make the move and then you both wipe out and somebody else wins. And we were talking about, I'm like, you've got to make it in the short shoot if you're going to make it at all, right? To know that it's either you or him. Like, you you don't want either one of the Team Penske cars not to win if you're both sitting there one, two in the white flag lap. And sure enough, it literally came down to exactly what we talked about. He made the move fairly late, got blocked. It looked like he hit the fence and either broke a rack or something like that because he was. it seemed like he was out of control, couldn't steer it off the fence. Uh, and then luckily that two had enough momentum to hold off the 23 at the line. But super exciting finish to beat our friend Darrell Wallace, 0. .036 seconds. Yeah, let's just, let's just get him on the show. Let's just, let's just talk to him. Yeah. I'm tough. Let's, yeah. let's just ask from the man himself. Stick around. We'll hear from the Daytona 5 winning champ himself, Mr. Austin Sindrick, here on Stack and Penny. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys. We're going to cut straight to the chase with the newest winner in the Cup Series. But, man, a Harley Jarrell trophy is sitting on your mantle. Mr. Austin Sindrick, round of applause. And Ryan Flores. Oh, yeah. And Ryan Flores. the <laughs> trophy. He changed front tires, had a little bit to do with it, but you had the most to do with it come Sunday night. You're wearing the jacket. You got the ring. You just look like a Daytona 500 champ, man. You're just like... I don't know the, if I feel like it yet. The aura is coming out of you. The jacket definitely makes me feel cooler than I actually am. So I don't know. You're cooler than the other 39 of us that tried to win that thing the other night. What, I mean, what about, what about this guy? Kept your wheels on nice and tight all wheels day? Wheels never fell off. They had an awesome money stop. We, we've literally only done one four-tire stop the entire process with the next-gen car, and we got the lead from it. So Ryan did his job. Yeah. I mean, I'm proud of him. What's, what do we say on here? Races are not necessarily won on pit road, but they sure are lost. But I can, you could make an argument that when the two leapfrogged the six on that last stop, that puts you in position to win. 100%. Because we were talking about off before we jumped on here – that with the way the next-gen cars draft and the runs are harder to come by, you have to be in the front two rows to give yourself a shot to win. So how? at what point in time did you think you had a decent shot to take the trophy? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously you got to get to the end, and uh, I feel like you know, even after the duels, I felt like we had a pretty strong car, focused on the right things, handling wise, and um, you know, I, I think I won a track position uh, by by stage three, no matter how it happened. I didn't really care about stage points, but um, once we were able to to have that four tire stop and get ourselves in the first couple rows, um, it was it was game on from there. I didn't really care about wrecking. I wanted to wanted to keep ourselves up there because if if we lost that track position, you know, fall outside of the top ten, I didn't think we were going to be able to get it back without a wreck or another another pit stop or strategy change. So, um, you know, we, we, we went aggressive on that. We went aggressive on the fuel strategy and um, obviously kept us in position all the way through stage three. I see you rubbing the ring. Is it just so humongous that you can't stop playing with it? I can't stop playing with it, but, like, my fingers are irritated. The amount of hands that I've shaken with, with this ring on, and it's a knuckle crusher. It is an absolute knuckle crusher. I mean, you're giving somebody knuckles with that, and they're going home icing that sucker down. It's like my, my fingers. Well, there's writing on the inside, and it's like completely destroyed my knuckle. I, I don't, I'm not going to complain. Good problems to have. Good problem to have. You said Good you've been shaking hands. How many babies have you kissed between now? I have kissed and Sunday? zero babies. That's unfortunate. They have yet to bring me a single baby. <laughs> they brought you crew in Victory Lane. My little man was pissed off in Victory <laughs> Should have brought me. You would, have, you would have not wanted one. So that's. I mean, the Daytona 500 is the one you dream about since you're a little kid. Having done it, having been in victory lane, the confetti going off, did it live up to the dream or was it better? So the, it's funny you mentioned the confetti because like you don't expect I've never had confetti like when I, I've won races, but like I've never had like the confetti like explosion. Like the weirdest thing to me, like obviously Keystone Light sponsors us and like they like throw a beer in my car. It's like, make sure you hold that label out. I'm like, all right. Like, like, Hey guys, you got one too. Like yeah. stand up. I'm like, this, this was the new part for me was holding up the beer as I stood on top of the car and not falling over. And then the confetti goes off and it's like, Oh my God, this is, this is a big deal. And, um, yeah, just, just the whole experience. You know, I had, I actually had a flashback to when we won the championship in 2020 and I crossed the start finish line and I didn't say a single thing on the radio until I got all the way through, through one and two, because like I was just processing what happened through my head. And I'm like, Right, I'm supposed to talk here, <laughs> and NASCAR actually just posted our, our audio from the last couple laps, and they definitely they left in the awkward pause from the time I crossed the start finish line to when I actually like said anything on the radio outside of turn two. But um, just an incredible experience. It's 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 been it's been awesome to look back at the photos, look back at you know how Ryan and all the guys celebrated uh, on pit lane. Um, to me, that that's the only thing that's really given me perspective to the gravity of that because. Obviously, I know how much winning the Daytona 500 means to Austin Cindric, but I don't know. I don't know what it means to Ryan. I don't know what it means to Jeremy, to Doug, all the guys that have put so much into it. And there's a lot of guys on the team that have been trying for so long and come really close. And um, it just it just makes it that much more gratifying to be able to deliver that. I'm glad you brought up Jeremy because you had an infamous. Thought you were going to suplex your crew chief in the middle <laughs> of the Daytona. Did you have a rough estimate? Of what your crew chief weighed before you picked them up? Ah oh, man, no, 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 no. We're not going to go there. It's uh, I don't know. You got some pretty scrawny legs. To be picking up a man that size. Hey man, I put in I put in the time in the team Tesco <laughs> gym. Yeah. I picked up plenty of big men in my day. I, I went for a, I, when you turn around because you were kind of hugging everybody. I turned around and I went for a launch and I was like, don't hit my head on his helmet. <laughs> but the one thing that you know the work we know what work you put in because I work with you and we're there. Uh, we know the work that you put in with Coleman. And our team is pretty strong. We've been together. Uh, our pit crew's been with you for a couple of years, and our road crew on the Cup side. We've been together, and you know we've almost won championships, won race with Brad. But the new a new piece was Doug Campbell, and Doug. I mean, Doug did a great job. What's the work been? What's the work been like with him this year? Because you know you're using Coleman, 
before, and he's been new to all of us. No, I mean, Doug, Doug proved to me that, that he had the work ethic, and, and to me, that's, that's half the buy-in, and that's, that's half the value in having a spotter because, in, in my opinion, it's not just the speedways, but in all the races we go to, he's my second brain. You know, he's, he's the observation, and I, I spent a lot of time during cup races last year on the spotter stand, you know, hanging out with Doug, just knowing what his process is like, and, and, and like I said, I, I think being able to get the work ethic is half the battle, and uh, for us to just be able to be have that communication already this early in the year is, is, is really cool to see and have it play out. What's yeah. it mean? I just saw a tweet today that this is the, now all three cars from Team Penske have won a Daytona 500. What's it mean to get that two in victory lane for RP? It, it means a lot, and it's it's not for me. It's 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 for your, your Dave Maneri's, your Gary Brooks, you know, the, the guys that have, have been showing up the speed week since 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 Rusty Wallace, um, and, and that have been trying to win this race, and, and you know, coming into the season, obviously taking over the two car. There's never been a rookie in the two car, and obviously the two car had never won the Daytona 500 until this weekend, and uh, to be able to start my chapter in that car like that is 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 a dream come true because it's. It's one of those things. It's it's a car that has a legacy of, of being successful, and um, you know if I don't do anything else in my Cup Series career, it's 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 pretty amazing to think that that I'm a Daytona 500 winner in the two car for Roger Penske. So in victory lane, I got to ask you this because uh, you know my dad would probably be my biggest fan and supporter, also my biggest critic. So was your dad Tim wearing the boss hat or was he wearing the dad hat in victory lane? Um, I, it was a little bit of both. I mean, he still still is definitely. Uh, I think I think he was able to wear both hats that day, um, probably more than any other time in, in my career. But um, it was uh, it was definitely cool to share that moment with him and uh, share that moment with my mom. I got to call my brother, who lives in Oslo, Norway. So we all got to kind of have a bit of a family moment on on the on the stage there. But um, just just awesome to be able to have everybody there and share that experience. So we're sitting here with a fellow crew member here on your on your on your pit crew, Ryan Flores, changes front tires. Does winning the first race out, punch your ticket into the playoffs, change how you attack the regular season and the things you can try, maybe go off on a little bit of a tangent, learn some different packages of this next-gen car, and be a little more aggressive on road courses? Yeah, I, th I think it does give us the opportunity to be aggressive as far as from, like you mentioned, a car setup standpoint, trying to trying to divide and conquer throughout, throughout our three cars and uh, be able to try and try and get an edge as quickly as possible because I, I think for the really the first half of this year, that's, that's where it's going to matter. So... Uh, from that standpoint, yes, I think the aggression counts and being able to get playoff points, um, I, I, think, I think that's where aggression matters. But for me, um, mentality-wise, it gives me the opportunity to be patient, um, be patient through the learning process because it's easy to rush yourself. It's easy to want too much too fast and um, miss out on some of the small details, some of the small lessons you might, you might miss. So it does give me the flexibility to do both and, and really try and execute. So we race – alongside each other at Atlanta when you first came in last year with driving a 33 car. And obviously once you figure it out, it was like ting, 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 and I didn't see any more of the 33 car. But now that you're sitting here, I wanted to ask you, what's the biggest difference? Maybe not even so much it's harder. What's just the difference between Xfinity and full, I guess you haven't went full-time cup racing, but what's that, that jump like? Yeah, well, I think Atlanta is a perfect example. You know, a lot of the cup races that I did last year, I had to start last, had no points. And I had to work my way through the pack, and um, with doing that, you get to either pass or be around most every driver in the field. And, and and to that point, yeah, we spent a lot of time around each other. And obviously, at that point, I mean, like I'm in a Penske car, like Blaney's leading this thing. He ended up winning the race. I'm like, and I'm sitting here running 20th. Yeah. <laughs> like I want to do more than that. I mean, there's there's a lot more into that race, but um, I mean, I have a huge respect level for for just the competitors. I mean, between yourself, like 
I think in that race specifically, you and like Ryan Priest like made every right move on every restart, the lane choices, and like I'd never raced for 25th before. Like, so I don't know where you're supposed oh, to even line up. It's a grounded path. It's completely different. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I learned a lot and like flash forward to Kansas, like I was able to learn from being around you, from being around Ryan, like, okay, these are the things you have to do when you're in those positions. And, you know, there are, there are going to be times this year that I'm going to be, you know, back in the pack trying to, trying to work our way forward. And, you know, there's going to be highs and lows in a rookie season and, and working with a new car and um, very valuable experience. But just the depth in the field is, is, is pretty massive. But um, just like anything new, you have to learn your competitors and your competitors have to learn you. So uh, I, I think those are the biggest differences coming off of four years in the Xfinity series with a lot of the same stuff, working around the same car. I, I think those two things are probably the most different thing that you can't really prepare for. How much do you think, like how, how much does winning the 500 go in terms of like earning the respect of guys in the top 15 that you're going to be racing with week in and week out? Do you think it translates, or do you think you have to pay the same amount of dues the first little bit of the season by the time the playoffs come around and those guys are used to racing with you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it's for me to decide. That's yeah, true. <laughs> uh, I mean, for me, I, I think you can do. You can only do so much from a from a social standpoint to to really feel like oh, you're you're one of the guys. I mean, uh, for me, I I've been I've gone about things differently most of my life. So uh, from a, from a respect standpoint, I, and from uh, a competitive standpoint, I, I look at my only way of earning respect truly in this series is is to be constantly relevant and, and constantly around, and eventually they'll accept the fact that you're up there and, and you deserve to be up there because it's consistent, and they might as well have to deal with it. So uh, for me, that's that's how it was in the Xfinity series, you know, coming up through. So um, it, it's something that that is obviously a process for every rookie, and, and everybody goes through it differently, but. Um, I, I think it goes back to, to, to performance pretty much every time. No doubt. I know you've had a long day in media. On the Blue Deuce Day, it's not even blue, it's black and red. We've talked about this before. I'm confused. But it's 2 2022. I mean, on it was just meant, Tuesday. On Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday. 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 I mean, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. Meant to be for you here. By the time you're listening to this, it's probably 223, but irrelevant. You're here now. Still a palindrome. Still a palindrome. I don't know what that means. Same front but ways as back Austin Sinders like here, stagging pains with him. Yeah. Like race car. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mom. I don't. What are y'all talking about right now? <laughs> he knows. He knows. I know. Yeah, he's smarter than I am. Palindrome. These two have the same. You think that you think of humor. You think palindrome would be a palindrome, but it's not. It's not. Yeah. Like I you hate think that. whoever came up with that word, it must be someone's name. Or it was just like Sir an inside palindrome. joke with them that they were like, you know what? Same front ways as back ways. We're gonna call it something different. We're gonna call it a palindrome. And now no one's listening. <laughs> if you haven't tuned out yet, we're going to ask some would-you-rather questions. I'm just going to ask you the one. It's my favorite one. Have you been on here before? Have you been asked this question? Uh, you haven't asked the question yet. <laughs> have you been on Stacking Pennies? I have not been on Stacking Then you haven't been asked the question. Okay. Um, only in, especially invited guests, and since you have a Harley Jail Earl Trophy in your possession, you're allowed on the show. <laughs> or unless you're the host and you don't win at all, then you're me. Would if you had one, if you could choose one car and one racetrack to race after the rest of your life, what are you going with? One car and one racetrack to race at the rest of my life. I'd take a high downforce car to Road Atlanta. Just any high downforce car, whether if it's a prototype. Uh, no, you got to pick one. Oh, jeez. Uh, well, I haven't driven all of them yet. I don't. Just pick one. Yeah. F one car. I don't know. That's uh, too tight for an F1 the car. Neck will stick out. Well, you, you have to chop the front off, so your legs stick out the front. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. My head would definitely be covering up the air screw. We'd have some overheating issues. If I'm, if I'm literally running the entire rest of my life, we'd go through a lot of engines. Yeah. 
Yeah, I haven't picked a car yet. Oh my god, I don't know, man. I know it's Penske out here. Is, get like even have that get like a '90s um, a '90s Indy car, like yeah. a, like a mid '90s Indy car, oh. thousand horsepower, yes. just enough downforce to where you can go flat through the S's. There you go. There you hear from the man himself, Daytona 500 champion, Mr. Austin Center. Thank you for joining Stag and Pennies. Thanks for having me. Easy on the knuckles. Yeah. <laughs>Let's hear from the Daytona 500 winning front tire changer, pit road boats and woes, Anos, Ryan Flores. Round of applause. Still sounds, still sounds good. Well, hang on. So you've won any in Brickyard 400? No, we ne- we've won the. Oh, you got, the, you got a lost the Brickyard. Well, with Newman, yes, yeah. So I was at Stuart Haas. I got put on his car the week after they let the tire changer go, and I got put on his car the week after. But I was at Stuart Haas. Nobody's gonna fact so check yes. you. Just say yes. I have an Indy. I have an Indy ring. Indy 400 ring. Yes. Championship trophy. Championship ring. And you have yet to get your date of honor when, when but did okay. you see did you see Austin's? He was just fondling it for the last 20 minutes when we talked to him. Now you know what you know what I need now? What do you need? Southern 500. Hell yeah. That'd be good. Is there any other ones that, I mean all of them. Uh, all of them, but uh You weren't on Brad's car when he won? No. Who are you been for? Blaney. Oh, uh, well. That was they made the switch after. Yeah, they made the switch after. But yeah, that that's the only one that, that I dude to win Daytona is like one of those things where you go down there and you we finished second in a bunch of times and it's just an emotional day. Like I there was a video of you talking to your team getting emotional about it, just knowing that you get to race in it. No, because no, because we run like a broke dick sandwich at LA. That too. <laughs> uh, but um, with mayonnaise on. Like it, it like when you sit there and watch it and. You, you know, you watch your car and you don't have really, you know, after the last fuel window, you don't have. Yeah, it's out, it's, your, hands, it's out of your hands. But like as a younger man, I would get emotionally wrapped up in that where now I just kind of like put my hose away and see how it's going to play out. It's got to be damn cool time. feeling. Oh, it's dude, it's the best. And especially this year because the work has been put in. Like it's been a long off season putting the work in and the uncertainty of, you know, you have a championship caliber driver like Brad, leave your team and you, and you, you get a rookie. And that's a scary thing, you know, even though we've, we've won, like I was saying before, this is the fourth ring, our pick crews won with, with Austin uh, in the last, you know, two and a half years. So that even, even with that, there's uncertainty getting to the cup level. So for him to fire off like that and our team to, uh, to be able to win, to win the first next gen race, the first next gen race with pit stops, um, the new generation with one lug nut and all that. And, and with a rookie driver, it's a big deal for all of us. So we knew there were going to be some pit road boats and woes. 
specifically woes. And we saw a couple this week, but the first one, you wouldn't even call it a woe unless you weren't paying attention, but I was in the second duel, so I was watching you guys in the first duel. They had a camera, and your right front pull on the – you did right sides once in the duels, and it got hung up. Yeah. Why did it get hung up? A lot of times, they, you know, you'll run as much rebound there in the right front shock, so it falls out really slow. So it'll get stuck on the fender. Well, especially with these cars now with the pull – um, once you kind of get your shoulder back, it's like a scap retraction, almost like a row that you do in the gym. Once you get that back and it gets stuck, then you're all bicep and then you're really stuck. So then you got to like finagle it out. Because it has to come out dead straight. It's got to come out dead straight off the pins. It's it's very sensitive. Now, to, if you're drilling these pins out, does it come off a little easier? Well, uh, the, the pins the pins getting drilled out wasn't more about coming off. It was more about just getting on. That's a, You have to get it on in order to get it off. So that, that that's another thing that will will cross but but yeah that that's one reason that you'll see you know we gained four spots there under or in the end of the second stage uh with a 13-4 you know with five lug nuts we'd have lost 10 spots with that yeah so i think the fastest stop of the weekend was somewhere in the 11 11 5 range uh, i don't think we get a good sample size of the top end speed that pit road's going to produce uh out of a speedway race but man coming up this weekend and in california you get 12 sets and you're probably rifle through eight to 10 four tire pit stops. You're going to, you're going to know what everybody's got this weekend. It'll be a big test. So there's always a big difference between dry running it, dry rehearsal, essentially yeah. at the shop when you've got a nice roof over your head and you got, you know, every little bump in the surface. But when 40 cars are rolling down pit road the first time, what was different between the previous stops and this year's? The noise is the first thing. Like even you said that, but it's just like we like I know that we've put the the work in. Right, I'm on one of the premier cars in the sport with some of the top top level talented guys in their position around me. So like I know that we've put the work in, and like we did it. We did a, a quick thing with with Merriman and Chuck and Janie before the duels, just explaining the one lug nut gun at the end of it. I said, and you tighten it up, and you hope it stays on. And like I wasn't saying that a thousand percent jokingly. Like I know that that it'll work, but. I've never done it at the racetrack. So when you go back out, uh, there's just things that, like I've worked at five lug nuts for so long that I knew exactly like that one's loose, that one's tight, that one's got, like I, I could say, I can almost tell you, hey, that one's got three tight, the fourth one's probably got 20 pounds of torque on it, and the fifth one's not tight. Like I could go through and tell you that I'd done it so long. With this, I'm like, I think so. But like, I can't What are What are the torque, what's the torque in the new guns? You want to get it, you know, from what I understand right now, you want to get it to 600-ish, but you can get them over 1,000 really easy. But if you do that... Three other instead of two? Don't, that's, don't know, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, like with the old gun before, I could tell you, hitting it, telling you what it is. And I'm working at that here, um, but it's still, with heat, with the, the dust that falls out of the wheels at the speedways, because it kind of gets all trapped in there, especially under green flag stop. And then when you stop, like I had a hard time engaging the gun for the first time because those tolerances are all really tight with the O-ring. So I had to like push it and then push shove it on. Uh, sometimes that pin will get stuck that's on the hub. There's a, there's a lot of new stuff that until you do it and make those mistakes or, or get it on camera to figure out, diagnose exactly what happened, man, there's going to be, you're going to have to have your wits about you these first couple of weeks. Well, you mentioned about putting in the work and it seemed 
pretty evident that Team Penske and, and Hendrick and, and all the big teams that have had their hands around this had been put in the work. And you didn't see very many issues from those teams. We saw some issues from the 50 car. Kaz Grau lost a wheel entirely. Those guys obviously haven't been put in the work well, yet for that. I don't know that out. those guys that were pitting that car had done a one lug nut pit stop before. You know, they, you, you've got guys on that car that have had long careers at five and have been really good, but are, are not, you know, they, they've moved on. They're not on a house car anymore per se, or they're just doing it to make a couple extra bucks. And, uh, and they've never done it before where I, they probably haven't practiced one lug nut as much as I do in a week. Right. They haven't done it, you know, for that long. So it's tough to, to lose a wheel there to be the first one. You, it's probably a little embarrassing, but for the guys that do it, we're like, we, we know that that can happen. And the same thing with the 31. You know, the reason that I think the 50s just fell off and the 31s, like the wheel broke, was because the 31s tire in the front would get trapped in the wheel well where the, the rear tire could just evacuate out of there. Yeah. Uh, but the, even the 31, both of those issues that we saw, I, I, would, I would narrow down right to operator error. They weren't installed properly. If they're installed properly, you don't see that issue. But that, that's where... You know, the, the stakes are higher on pit road now than I've ever been. Mm. Pit road, boats, and woes. Now, now you've got your hands wrapped around it a little bit in terms of just knowing what to expect. How long does it take for those for those times at the racetrack to get down to the sub-10s like you guys have been practicing? Well, I think it starts with you have to, like, you have to be, cons- like, consistent, and then you have to get confident. It's consistency breeds confidence, confidence builds speed. So you have to get confident in it enough to start getting after it. And then, you know, high tide will raise all ships like it always does. You will see someone do it, they do the first 10 at the track. And then it'll be a 10-9, okay. And then it's a 10-7, and then it's a 10-5. And then, oh, they bust off a 10 flat, it can be done. Oh, now we're in the nines. So I, I think by the end of the West Coast swing, we'll, we'll see, you know, some 10 second stops. But I, I think that, you know, we'll also have potential to see it's it's not going to be like a rare thing for somebody to not get a nut on and the, a, a wheel fall off under caution. You're not going to really drive around with your wheel loose. You're not. I don't know, like, especially once you get the feeling like the feeling for me of what it should feel like is the same feeling you guys got to have when you don't like. You know what a what a loose wheel felt like with five nuts. Yeah. You don't really know what a loose wheel feels like with this. It feels like. Like you said, it felt like the track bar was knocked out, but there's no track bar in these things. Right. So once you once you go, oh, okay, I know what that feeling is, then you'll know to pit right away. But it's it, the stakes are high. Stakes are high. When you do three Ugga Duggas instead of two, not good. Not good. Well, there you have it. Pit Road Boats and Woes by the Daytona 500 winner himself, Ryan Flores. We have a show chock full of champs here today aaron donald hey did you guys get tattoos no 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 uh no tattoos just all grown-ups here no champ stamps nope nope no champ just some burgers at steak and shake if you get yeah some steak and shake burgers we're a little bit we're probably more on the nerdy side of things but merriman brought up a good point before here daytona 500 champ stamp now do you get harley gerald's face on your lower a little copy right that. What does a what does a Daytona 500 champ stand? It's just a tattoo on your lower back. Does it have to be that that year's logo, or is it just yeah. a? I mean, of you the have track? to you have to mark it with the year you've won. It could. I don't. I mean, I think the best thing would be to do your car number in the Harley J Earl. Maybe 
encircled in the shape of Daytona. If I was designing it, that what I would. I think you take. I, I think you take Danica's tramp stamp, and then you make a like some sort of rendition of oh, that. Gosh. Oh well, she's got like, a, she's got a British flag and a half American flag, I and think. a checkered flag, and a check. Oh yeah, so you know, yeah, three worlds. Maybe some wings on there too. Yeah, like racing with the angels. Yep. We'll be racing with the Angels Fontana this week. We'll get back to more after the break. All right, guys, we're back. We're going to shift gears from Daytona this week to Fontana. Haven't been out there in two years, but last time, if y'all can't remember, Alex Bowman striped the field. I watched it last night on the YouTube, and, uh, you know, I kind of missed that place, slipping and sliding, trying to navigate the seams. Uh, they're putting, they've been working on the track all day, been or all week, been do, doing the tire dragging, putting some resin down. I believe Goodyear's a little bit concerned with the green racetrack, laying down some uh, rubber for as much tire wear as they saw at Charlotte. We're going to see a lot of tire wear this weekend at Fontana. That was the first racetrack that I went to where I went out and helped shoot in the turns, and when the field comes off of two and fans out on those restarts, that was the moment that I was like, okay, I like this, this sport. This is, yeah. you, it, when, when y'all come off of two, it's silent in three until the cars get there. And then it's just this massive, like five wide, yeah. six wide. Just, yeah. You're, you're poking your headlights out to try just, to find any wow. sort of, do you do try, that again, please try to find any clean air. Um, the car noise. I'll be honest, not one of my favorite racetracks. I think visually they get a little bit too spread out, and I think that we're going to be a little more spread out this weekend with the next-gen car, but don't let me steer you wrong. It was getting to be good racing as each year was going along, as the surface was aging, I felt like, from a spectator standpoint. Oldest surface in the Cup Series, I think. Yes, yeah. now, now, now that Atlanta's repaved. repaved. The 550 high downforce package was tailored with the previous car, to Michigan and to California with good weather, right? And we saw that last or two years ago when Alex Bum won. The restarts, they were side-by-side. Side. They were drafting, slingshot moves, the whole deal. And it was great race. And now we're going back with a 4-inch blade, 670 horsepower. So you're going to see some runs throughout the corners. You're going to see guys sliding around. Maybe not so much close racing on restarts, but you're going to see a lot more comers and goers, I think, over the course of the day. So I'm excited to get back out there. It's going to be interesting to see what that track prep does with the resin. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Both of you guys. So with the West Coast Swing, those haulers running cars back up and down, or are you no. putting two in the trailer, and those are the two that you're going to take to all three races? We're only allowed to take one backup car per two cars, right? Okay. So we have one backup car for the 7 and the 77. And for, from what I understand – the car that I race Fontana with, knock on wood, will be the car I race Vegas with, will be the car I race Phoenix with. I mean. So you just change the setup. Change the setup. Um, and hopefully a couple body parts here and there uh, as as needed. But, you know, the, the first, our, our whole goal. Which is, is what the car was designed for. It was designed for, right? But slightly because we are super understaffed right now at the moment, Aspire, it's hard to just get stuff done uh, as the parts trickle in. Um, but if we, our plan for, from the time we shifted into the next gen car, like we're going to have to get through the next, the, the West coast swing, run all the laps, 
being conservative and just evaluating this car so we can get a read on setups, we can get a, a read on what wears, how mileage on things. So we don't necessarily have the competition effort level dialed all the way up for being a small team compared to what some other teams now have the opportunity to be able to do that. But I think for us to maintain a little bit of momentum and race when the pay window is open, right? We won't be racing for stage points. We won't be jamming it in there three wide, making stuff happen, risking getting our stuff tore up because uh, running all the laps right now is our most important objective. So you're stacking those pennies. We're stacking pennies. It doesn't, you know, you going in, it doesn't, you know, you know it's not going to be the most fun. You know you probably have the potential to be better or want leave more to be desired. But uh, I think if you don't make any mistakes, there's going to be plenty of other guys that do, whether it's on pit road, whether that's racing side by side, backing the things in the fence. Like there are going to be a lot of mistakes being made by people trying to push the limit. We saw more people spin out in testing than we've ever seen with the Gen 6 car. I mean, Tyler Reddick spun out about every time he was on the racetrack trying to make speed. I spun out by myself. We saw Chase, Kyle Larson. I mean, the list of guys that spun out is long. And that was in testing, let alone when money's on the line. So I'm interested to see how these next-gen cars handle Fontana uh, because there's only 20-minute practice. It's essentially a hot lap session. What you go there with, what four springs you have, you're going to be pretty much married to it. And you're hoping whatever information that simulation was spitting back at you is pretty close to accurate. So um, the bigger teams that have a little bit more validation on their sim should start separating themselves a little bit, which concerns me slightly. Uh, but hopefully we can get a good grasp on this thing and and have a good run here this weekend. Are they going to impound? Can you change anything? I think you could change anything. Um, yeah. you know, But there's really only, what, a hour turnaround or half hour turnaround in between when you practice and qualify. And then after qualifying, you're locked in. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's not like you're going to be wholesale. If you're... If you're dog shit when you get there, you're going to be dog shit for 400 miles. It's not going to be a fun day. Um, and hopefully we're not on that side. Well, who do, you, who do you think is going to be that one that can get it all figured out in this short amount of time and get the win? I don't know. I'm going to go on a limb and say Team Penske, uh, who's won every race this year with this car, and I feel like they have a pretty good understanding. It's Larson's bread and butter. Larson is the two-mile track master. I mean, that guy is, is special. No matter what car he was driving, whether it was Chip Ganassi's car or now Rick's, uh, Kyle Larson is hard to beat on those two-mile ovals. But who knows? I think it's going to be another Kyle. I think it's going to be Kyle Busch. I, I, we were talking about it down in Daytona. He just has this different attitude right now. And when Kyle Busch has a better attitude, I think Kyle Busch can go out there I'm just saying Kyle Busch one more time. And a TikTok. But Kyle Busch is going to Kyle Busch and I think get the win. Well, Kyle Busch has won there four times. He's no stranger to victory lane there at California Speedway. Chasing Jimmy Johnson's six-win hometown record. I don't think he's going to catch it, though. Yeah, he's not going to do it. Well, he can't catch it this year, but, you know, in his career. That's could. true. <laughs> I'm going with a Hendrick car or a Penske car. That's where I think. I'm I going think with a NASCAR. Yeah. Going a NASCAR. I, I thought I've said that the 12 car has been the most consistent car in terms of pace car. of all the tests, and he's been towards the front at every race so far. Ford has just been on fire at the beginning of this year. There's only been two races, Chuck. Let's back There's her down. Four. There's been four because both duels. Oh, okay. Come on. Points like, man races. 
Point uh, in, in races now, where it has counted. Speedway in our races, points. though, are their own animal because they have almost half the field in terms of numbers. I mean, I think they have, what, 17 cars, which is almost half the field. So they can just get everybody in the meeting like, hey, guys, I've heard it. I've been in these meetings. Don't push anybody else but a Ford. I'm saying if there's somebody in front of you that's a bow tire or Toyota, shuck them. And then there's going to be a Ford to come get you. Like, that's how tight they work together. So Speedways, I don't know if I'd put a whole lot of stock into that. But it's not coincidence that we've seen a Team Penske car win the first two races of the year. That's all I got. Janie, time for Penny for your thoughts. All right, guys. I appreciate all the questions you've been firing over with using hashtag Penny for your thoughts on Twitter. So, Janie. We got some good ones this week. What do we got? We do have some good ones. And the first good one comes from Kelly. And they said, what do you think of the new camera mirrors in the cup cars? Oh, funny story about that. So my my teammate, my fearless teammate, Landon Castle, driving the 77 Fox Nation Chevy Camaro this weekend, said he's riding around. And about halfway through the race, he sees a little puff of smoke on his dashboard. He's like, hmm, wonder what that's from. Next thing he knows... There's about a five-inch flame on his dashboard <laughs> out of the back of the camera, the, re- the rear view camera. And next thing he knows, there's a little poof of white smoke, and the camera shuts off. So apparently the wiring on his rear view camera uh, burned up. There was some sort of uh, you know, ground, and then it was rubbing something or something. Whatever it was, the rear view camera shorted out. Luckily, he had a normal mirror in the roof where I took mine right out because if the, the roof line is so slanted and the rear view, uh, the rear glass is so, I don't know, almost flat to the ground, you couldn't see anything but the, rear, the, the roof camera on the car behind you anyways. So if my rear view camera went out, I wouldn't have been able to see anything. So I just took that right out for weight. Um, you don't need a, a rear view mirror if everything's in front of you. That's true. <laughs> well, that's literally when you, oh yeah. That's <laughs> I didn't think you'd hammer him like that. That's not very nice. Right off the top ropes, too. That's, he got me good. That's what you get when calling my dad jokes. So that was good. Really. I called your dad jokes bad under break, not under live content. Not in front of the whole world. Not in front of the whole world. <laughs> Did my man all, dirty. All four listeners. I'm going to go snap into a Slim Jim. Back to the camera. I'm somewhat hurt. Yeah. So, luckily, my camera. So, it's different. It's uh, I put mine, like, right next to the, my dashboard. So you can actually just like look from the road, kind of like peek over. Um, I don't know. It's different. It's a little bit something to get used to, just like all the other things there is to get used to with these new cars. But I kind of like it. It's kind of like new and techie. Question number two. Question number two is from Matthew T. And he says, how do teams determine which cars will be the primary and which will be the backups? I would imagine they deem that at this point in time, whichever car is ready and done and they have parts for um, my Daytona car, from what I understand, will either be my Phoenix car or my Atlanta car. I think it might be the Atlanta car. Um, my Clash car will be the all-time backup for the West Coast Swing, and we're going to try to use our the our newest car that we've built as a primary for as long as we can run it, especially over the next three weeks. Um, so, I think there will there will be. I think every team's going to do a little bit different, but Spire is going to build three complete center sections, keep the seats in there, keep all the wiring and stuff in there, and then unbolt the front clips with a intermediate front clip uh, geometry build, 
with a road course geometry build and like plug on a entire front clip with the suspension hanging. Same thing with the rear clips. Um, so every team's gonna do a little bit different. Some are gonna build seven complete cars. Some are gonna build three and everywhere in between. Uh, so that's a little bit team specific. But for us, it's kind of whatever car's ready and close enough is what we're gonna be taking to the racetrack. How long does it take to build a full car? I don't know what that looks like. Quicker than it did with the previous car. You know, I think, it's okay, I'll just put it this way. I haven't really been in the shop really looking start to finish on how long it takes to, to build a car. But when I left for Daytona on Monday morning, I was at the shop and they were bolting the front and rear clips onto my Fontana car and it had nothing else on it. No roof, no seat, no wiring, nothing. And I'm like, oh boy, like these guys are gonna have a long road to hoe. And then fast forward a week, I was in there yesterday and those boys were putting decals on it and setting it up. So six days, seven days, I'm sure they were long hours, but uh, I bet you six or seven good guys could probably build a car in five days. And that's probably what we're looking at. That might be, that's probably pretty close. Where it was with the previous car, Two weeks, three weeks. I mean, well, if you start on the chassis, like if you start, you build on, a chassis for yeah. three, four days. You have to spend four days putting a body on it. You have to. I mean, spend, that's a th and that's a thrash. It's a thrash. Right? You could talk about from from steel rack to racetrack a month. Yeah, yeah. By the time it's in finished fab and all the stuff, so yeah. that that process has dramatically shortened up. And if you build it and you're getting the parts, can you just continue stockpiling if you get one done and start making another one, just yeah. keep stockpiling? Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get caught up. So we have a couple cars that we're just tinkering on, rolling through the Hawkeye, trying to find the little areas to find some some downforce and and figure out what areas other teams are messing with. But the more prepared you are in a, you know, days, weeks leading up to the event, that's where you can find the little tiny pennies, if you will, of grip and downforce. Think about how far, like set behind like the 34 team is now, right? Yeah. They wrecked their car after the start finish line. So what, and the 38. So yeah. both front row cars were trashed. Destroyed. So like if you can keep your car together through the West Coast swing, it'll set you up for the meat potatoes of the season the rest of the year. Yeah. Instead of And your guys are worked to their fingers to the bone. Worked until my guys worked till 5 a.m. this Monday night. There was a guy, Dan, who is super devoted, one of the best guys we have over there, worked till 5 a.m., went, slept till seven o'clock in his truck went back in, brushed his teeth, and went back to work today. Like, that's how much these guys are working to get these next-gen cars ready. How many did you junk? Two? I wasn't driving. Well, no, you, but like Pinsky. Uh, I, think they, I think they wrecked. Yeah, so the 22 wrecked. Um, 21 flipped. I don't think the 20 – I don't know if the 22 was like a total loss. The, the 21 was pretty destroyed, but I don't know how bad that was either. The 22 is, I think, still in decent shape after the race. Uh, just – Got it, caught three laps down, so save save your stuff. So, I, I mean, you're talking some of those cars were total loss, like write them off. Yeah. Um, but I'm not. I, the 21 was was pretty tore up, but like when like, I walked by today in teardown, there was like the front bumper and everything was still in pretty decent shape. So. Yeah, they they take cosmetically. They, I think they can take a beating. I think that's the next thing we'll learn is like okay, if they take a beating and you reuse parts, now you got to figure out the mileage and mm -hmm. if something gets hit, you know, is it going to break? A week from now, if mm -hmm. we don't change it, so what? What can take a hit? What can't? Janie, we got one more question. One more penny for our thoughts. What we got? One more penny for your thoughts. It's from Patrick Berger, and it's for you and Skip. And it says, "So I know on the old tires, the tape on the side helped line up the studs. What's it for the new tires and wheels?" That's a you question, dog. Yeah. So there's 
essentially seven spokes that come out to a V that would give you 14, 14 small spokes to grab the, the tire on. Now there's 18 pins on the back of the wheel and six pins on the hub. You're not- 18 holes in the wheel. 18 holes in the- On the back side of the wheel. 18 pin holes in the back side of the wheel. When you put it over the big hole in the hub, there's six pins on the, that are almost like the studs used to be. The reason that they grab the tape, there's, it's a, it's, there's two things. You wanna, when you're flying around, you wanna grab this, not necessarily used to clock the spoke to where a lug nut was. You don't do that anymore. You're just trying to grab the same spoke every time um, as far as what part of the spoke you grab. So it kind of guides them to where they wanna grab it. Cause you can still grab these wheels in a weird spot with the design that they have. And are, the, are the carriers locating a drive no. a drive pin like they were? Mm -hmm. but a no. Stud? Okay. No, you, it's all by feel now. Because used to, they used to run around and look at the pattern before they threw the tire. So you, And there, it can only be within a, you know, a quarter inch either way or half inch either way. So they would know, like, okay, I'm carrying, they would call it straight up, which is a, a spoke that lined up with a hole or one back. they look at it, okay, I got to rotate this way. Not now. It's all off a of feel. But you, you can run over there and grab the spoke wrong and the tire will like slip out of your hand. So that's, they're just taping it so they have a visual cue in the tenth of a second from the time that they grab the tire, throw it on, that they know they're grabbing the right spot. It seems like the carriers have to hold the wheel on you have more to. so than the previous. It's wheel. almost more important. The carrier is more important to getting the wheel tight than the tire changer is. Um, the other thing that the tape does for us at the racetrack, you'll notice now um, there's different colors. So the different colors represent front and rear for us, and also left and right. So if you have a question, like hey, do we get the, the left rear on the right rear or do we get a tire on wrong here? You can go back to the overhead video and see which tape, which color tape went on the car so you know if you did it wrong before you call them back in. So that, that's, a, that's a big thing too because especially now they all look exactly the same. Before the left sides were visually different than the rights. Uh, the sidewall construction, the, the pins, the wear pins in them, now they're the same. So that, that makes it harder. Hmm. And there you have it. This is a good paint for your thoughts, Janie. Thank you. Yeah, that's all we have. But people should still keep sending them in because we're running low on our stockpile. So tweet out to Penny for your thoughts. Hashtag your Penny for your thoughts and we will get to you. I've got a thought. Get Dan a bed so he doesn't have to sleep in his truck. Give Dan a damn bed. We just need to make a closet like with a bunk bed. With bunks beds. Yeah, so much more room yeah. for activities. Exactly. Inspire Motorsports. Yeah. Before we let y'all go, we got some Florida man stories. I have a good Florida man story, but Jonathan Merriman thinks he has a better Florida man story. I've got, so I've got, got two. You got two. Well, so I, you go first, I'll go in the middle, and you go last. Okay. And then Chuck seems to have one as well. Oh, and how can you not have a Florida man story when you go to Daytona Beach? Well, That's first true. one is from if, a couple years ago. If you don't have ago. one, you're not looking hard enough. This is not a Florida man story. This is just a Florida story. And it's a true story, by the way. Uh, so... When you turn out, was it International Speedway Boulevard or whatever, and you're headed down towards Daytona Beach, there's a Wawa and a Popeyes on, or Wawa and a CVS on one side of the road, Popeyes on the other side of the road, and there's an intersection. So I'm driving down. We have a shoot at the Streamline Hotel. This is like 2019. And there's a car coming towards me, going back towards the speedway. Well, I notice in the back of this car, there's a kid like, looks like standing up. Well, then the door opens. This kid that couldn't be any older than four or five years old rolls into the street from the moving car, happened right in front of my face. A, I don't want to say it's, it's a homeless man, but let's just say a man on the side of the street 
runs into the middle of the road, picks up the kid, runs him back to the sidewalk. The car stops. Driver gets out, jams it, jams it apart, gets out, goes, grabs the kid, throws it back in the back of the car, and like takes off. What? Yes. True story. Saw it with my eyes. If I'm if I'm lying, the kid I'm okay. As far as I know, yeah, it was two years ago, so I didn't see anything on the news. Okay, there's yours. Here's mine. Driving back, we went to a cattle a cattle ranch, like south of New Smyrna. So Kelly's is in the front seat, Levi's in the back seat. We're cruising up 95. <laughs> Normal drive, everybody's chilling. It's about an hour up the highway. Kelly's dead asleep. It's just me and the highway. And I pat. There's a car stopped on the left side of the road. Mercedes, like a white Mercedes coupe. Like a, I don't know, 98, 2000, not a new one. And I'm like, okay. I mean, who stops? Like, flashers are still on. I'm like, who stops on the left side of the road? Anymore? What time of day? Two in the afternoon. Okay. Maybe a little bit before that. And I'm like, and there's nobody in front of me, and there's this guy walking on the road. And he's, he's wearing all tan. I'm like, oh, I guess monochromatics and back in style or whatever. And I get a little closer. I'm like, no, those are... Those are butt cheeks. <laughs> like this guy, I'm like, there's no way this guy is naked. I keep getting closer. I'm, you know, running 65, 70 miles an hour. I'm like, this guy doesn't have one article of clothing. Hat, nothing. Socks, not a one. Butt cheeks in the wind, no big deal. How does somebody end up? Ass naked. Into boot. On the side of 95. You can't On the him. left side of the road. You can't help him because you gave your last no, shirt to the barista. Right. No, that was the day before. But right. uh, that guy was in some sort of way. Like, there's no help in that guy. Apparently, that happens a lot. Our uh, our director of social has told me multiple, I know like, naked man why? stories. I know why. why? I, learned this, I learned this this weekend. My own experience. At New Smyrna Speedway with my buddy Jimmy Blue, I ended up winning the championship driving for Tommy pants? Baldwin. I leave the racetrack and we're going down to Merck's, the bar down there to have a beer. And I get to my car, get in, start driving down the road and I start getting bit on my leg because I had stepped in a fire ant pile. And I was on the side of 44 with my sock off and I had Ansel in my car. And the, I, if I was in any more dire straits, I'd have been naked walking down the road too. You need a kerosene so rag. So I think I understand why this is happening. It might just be the fire ants. Kerosene rag right here. could also just bite be... that candy ass. <laughs> Chuck's got one before I tell mine. So we saw, uh, we were leaving yesterday after uh, the champions breakfast in Daytona. We went down to the beach. Janie had never been down there. So we went to go see some of the souvenir shops and we're walking out, getting ready to get in the van. And it's just two women that walk out of the Circle K and it's like, there's a lot of, a lot of butt cheek. It's a very small bikini. Is she wearing a top? I don't think she's wearing a top. No, she was wearing a top. It was just pasties that were basically, it was a very small bikini, but it inspired me to write a poem about <laughs> a Daytona. A new dog ear song? Uh, it could be a new dog ear song. I wrote a haiku okay. about Daytona. Do, so, do you want our listeners to know what this poem is? Please yes. read it. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's Daytona. Another day, another sun-drenched creature struts down the strand. Eyes baked, lost in their own land. Another night. Streamlined bodies warped by the strain of time. Around that turn, faded to cross the line. Feeling trapped, the shattered dreams of youth left far behind. Every circuit locked deeper in their mind. It never ends. The constant flicker of hope begins to grow dim. Another lap down. Can they ever win? But it is the race they all run. 
open mic night. Yeah. It's stacking. You, you need to like do that. That brought a that brought a tear to my eye. Yeah. Oh. New dog ear song. We'll see. I, there's nothing. There's nothing after that. Thank you all for joining Stack and Pigs. Wait, wait, wait. No, wait. No, no, no turkey story. Sure. I've heard it 15 times. I got a turkey story. I'm driving down the road. Why are you trying to bury Chuck's bone? <laughs> because I'm, we're ending the show. I witnessed a murder. <laughs> a turkey murder? <laughs> yes. yes. Hunting. Oh, no. This is not just hunting. In the median of, the, I'm, in the median of 95, though. I'm driving down 95 murder. in between Port Orange and New Smyrna, one of the straight stretches there. And I see a white sedan on the side of the road, and the dude jumps out of the car and runs to the median. And I'm like, "Was oh. it a Mercedes?" Coupe? No, it wasn't. Okay. It was like a Camry. And uh, and, the, and the dude jumps out and starts running the median. I'm like, "Oh no, his dog must have jumped out of the window. Or he must be trying to get something." I get closer. He's running down two turkeys, big ass Osceola turkeys. Reaches backhand, slaps one on the neck, grabs it, and starts wringing its neck and just kills these turkeys on the side of the road. Oh, yeah. Both of them, I assume. Like one was Wait, a was he was double I saw him kill one, but I went back the next day and neither turkey was there. So well, yeah, he put that son of a bitch in the back of his car and went home. Honey, we're eating turkey tonight. My tire carrier called me the other day, told me he was squirrel hunting. I asked him if he was squirrel hunting with his car. How do you do that? Wait, you hit him with your car? What he should have done. He should have just driven down there and drove in them. Well, I saw a man kill turkey with bare hands on the side of I-95 in Florida. I wish we had just ended the show on Chuck's call. Instead, we got this turkey. <laughs> just cut that out, Jamie. <laughs> cut that. There it is. I've got Stay tuned in next week. Hey. <laughs> uh, Hopefully come back. Maybe California man will make an appearance. May, maybe. Who knows? But like, subscribe, do all the stuff. Leave us a rating. Five stars, if you will. Talk to y'all next week.